Welcome to Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow the musical journey of an amateur piano player who's striving to play advanced level works one day, specifically Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. Every episode, we break down one of the pieces that I encounter along the road to this goal, ranging from the 18th century all the way up to modern day. We'll explore the history surrounding the work, examine the music within, and hopefully we all walk away a little more informed and appreciative of classical music. This is episode 26.2, the second episode in a series where we are celebrating the underdog. We're turning the spotlight on a group of composers who were overshadowed by their more famous family members, but have just as much talent, possibly even more. Last week, we heard from a father-son relationship with Carl Philip Emanuel Bach and his famous father. This week, we're going to eliminate the generational divide and talk about a pair of siblings, a brother and a sister. This is less a story about talent, and more a story about how gender limited one's role in society during these times. This is the life of Fanny Mendelssohn, a brilliant young woman who was tragically forced to watch her brother Felix's shining musical career from the sidelines, and what she did to try to forge some ground for herself and her music. Fanny was born in 1805 in Hamburg, Germany. She was the oldest of four children, four years older than her brother Felix. She grew up in a family with women who had strong musical affinities. Her mother was a skilled player who was taught the methods of Johann Sebastian Bach. She was Fanny's first teacher, and by the age of 14, Fanny could play all 24 preludes from Bach's well-tempered clavier by memory. She had a great aunt on her mother's side, also named Fanny. She was a patroness for a salon in Vienna, regularly hosting musicians and artists in her own home. She was highly influential in spreading cultural norms from Berlin to Vienna, including the custom of the Christmas tree. Fanny also had another great aunt, Sarah, who was the star pupil of one of Bach's own sons, but not Carl Philip Emanuel, but Wilhelm Friedman Bach. She had a close relationship with the Bach family, CPE Bach included, and actually performed the harpsichord part at the debut of CPE Bach's keyboard concerto, which was a rare honor for a female musician during this era. Great Aunt Sarah took an interest in the musical education of her grandnephew and grandniece, and she recommended that they take composition lessons from esteemed teacher Carl Friedrich Zelter. Zelter actually preferred Fanny to her little brother Felix. He wrote in a letter to Goethe, yes, the famous writer Goethe, about Fanny and Felix's father. He has adorable children, and his oldest daughter could give you something of Sebastian Bach. This child is really something special. Zelter's admiration of Fanny continued throughout the years, even after she stopped taking lessons from him. In a letter to Goethe years later, he gave Fanny the highest compliment that a female performer could have hoped for during this time, by writing, quote, that she plays like a man. 
While women were making respectable strides in the performance aspect of the music field, like Great Aunt Sarah and Mozart's sister Nanerl, for examples, composition was another story. Composition was still very much a man's world, clouded by social prejudices. Fanny's potential career in music was hindered not only by her gender, but by her social class. The Mendelssohns were a wealthy German banking family, and Fanny was expected to fulfill the role of socially adept noblewoman. A family friend wrote, Had Fanny been a poor man's daughter, she must have become known to the world as a female pianist of the highest class. Even Fanny's own father was not supportive, writing to her in a letter. Music will perhaps become Felix's profession, while for you, it can and must only be an ornament. Felix was somewhat supportive of her, behind closed doors anyway, but he was apprehensive of her publishing works under her own name, fearing the social repercussions and damage to her reputation. He wrote, From my knowledge of Fanny, I should say that she has neither inclination nor vocation for authorship. She is too much all that a woman ought to be for this. She regulates her house, and neither thinks of the public nor of the musical world, nor even of music at all, until her first duties are fulfilled. Publishing would only disturb her in these, and I cannot say that I approve of it. While Felix's statement sounds like an outright dismissal and reduction of his sister's talent, and it is, he was also influenced by his family's approval and societal norms. Or, perhaps, his intentions could have been rooted in darker places. Perhaps Felix was a bit jealous of his older sister's musical talent, and he tried to stifle her potential career. Despite his potential motivations, well-intentioned or not, Fanny and Felix were exceptionally close, and their relationship harbored no bad blood. He often referred to her as Minerva, the Roman goddess of wisdom, throughout their correspondence. He consulted her continuously about his work, regarding her advice as his personal gold standard. She writes, I've always been his only musical advisor, and he never writes down a thought before submitting it to my judgment. At the end of the day, her little brother really did want to support her work, and he offered to publish some of her songs under his own name, and he did so. Three of the works in Felix Mendelssohn's Opus 8 and three from Opus 9 were in fact entirely written by his sister. This resulted in an embarrassing moment for Felix when he was asked to play for Queen Victoria at Buckingham Palace. The Queen began to sing her favorite song by the composer. Felix thanked the monarch, but he had to confess that the song was actually written by his sister. While Fanny was getting some of her music out into the world via ghostwriting for her brother, she was actually able to perform publicly as herself. 
She only gave three public concerts during her lifetime, but her first one was to honor her brother by playing his first piano concerto. And knowing what we now know about their relationship, I'm curious to know how much influence or writing of the concerto was actually hers. Years later, in 1846, after both siblings were married with children, and not to each other, let me clarify, Fanny's husband convinced her to publish her own works under her own name. So, without telling her brother, she published a collection of songs as her Opus 1, under her married name, Fanny Hensel. After they were published, she wrote to Felix, saying, I hope I shall not disgrace you all. Felix wrote back, I send you my professional blessing on becoming a member of the craft. May you have much happiness in giving pleasure to others. May you taste only the sweets and none of the bitterness of authorship. May the public pelt you with roses and never with sand. She was pleased by his support, although she was skeptical of its veracity. Still, she was grateful he said it. She'd done it. She created a name for herself in the world of composition. Whether the work succeeded or not was of little concern to her. She was prepared for either outcome and tried to temper her emotional attachment. The publishers ended up wanting more from her, and she published about a dozen works throughout the remainder of her life, which sadly was just a year away. Thankfully, Fanny Hensel was able to see some of her works published under her own name before she passed away in 1847 due to a stroke. Felix took his sister's death very hard, and he himself died just six months later, also from a stroke. Before he died, he composed his string quartet number no. 6 in F minor, in memory of his sister Fanny. For as close as the Mendelssohn siblings were, it probably would not surprise you that their music shares a similar style and sound. One of the most popular forms that the pair utilized was the song without words, a short lyric piece that's carried by a dominant single voice. We heard examples of these throughout series 18 on this podcast, where we focused on Fanny's little brother. But now, let's focus on one of hers. Today we're going to hear Fanny Mendelssohn's Melody, the second selection from her fourth opus. She didn't explicitly call this a song without words, like her brother Felix would have, but it follows the same style. It's written in the key of C-sharp minor, the key of wailing despair. Wailing, weeping, a passionate expression of sorrow and deep grief full of penance and self-punishment, an intimate conversation about recognition of wrongdoing and atonement. I mean, this piece carries a darkness, but it's probably not that dark. 
It's more sentimental and wistful than that description might lead you to believe. It's a similar vibe to other dark romantic pieces of the time, like Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata, or one of Chopin's Nocturnes. It's crafted in a three-part texture. There's an upper voice played by the right hand, which is the main melody. There's a lower voice played by the left hand that roots the bass line. And then there's the relatively tricky middle part, which is played by both hands, which ties everything together and gives the piece its momentum. This running middle voice is reminiscent of her brother's work as well and can be heard in one of his most famous songs without words, a piece we discussed on this podcast in episode 18.1. The true challenge playing any piano piece, but especially one like this, is to balance the voices. We want the right-handed melody to speak, even though the middle voice is more involved and spread across both hands. To temper the middle voice and make it sound fluid between the hands is where the challenge lies. This is a song, after all, so the upper voice is emulating a singer shining through the accompaniment. Let's have a listen to this work by Fanny Mendelssohn. This is Melody, Opus 4, Number 2.
I'm glad that Fanny was alive to see some of her life's work published and appreciated. Her music was unfortunately kind of ignored for a century. But in the 1980s, a feminist movement in the music world worked to lift the voices of female composers that were lost throughout the centuries. Much of Fanny's output was made available during this time and recorded, allowing her music to be enjoyed by a wide audience, and remains so to this day. Next episode, we'll conclude this underdog series with another romantic composer who was actually close friends with Fanny Mendelssohn. We've talked about a father and son, a brother and a sister, but next, we'll discuss a husband and wife. If you haven't figured out who it is with those clues, tune in next time to find out who I'm talking about. Until then. You can find the standalone recordings of the pieces we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all the tracks heard on this podcast and more. If you'd like to reach out, email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, the best way to support the podcast is to hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and consider rating or reviewing. It's the easiest way to never miss a new episode, and it also helps the podcast gain more visibility. Thanks as always for your time and your ears. And remember... The piano keys are black and white, but they sound like a million colors in your mind.